Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on this program. I have a number of people who are waiting on hold, and I'm talking to just to those of you on hold right now. I promise you I'm going to get to your phone calls here in just a moment. I have some points I want to make first. I want to actually do a little bit of a monologue first, and then I'll get to you before I go to commercial break, or at least I'll start getting to you. Just be patient with me. I want to go back and replay some audio I played a little while ago. This is uh, Mehdi Hassan and a guy on MSNBC. They were on Morning Joe. And I really, really, really want you to listen to the entire audio here. This is about three minutes, but you got to listen to this exchange because i got to make some points and you need to listen to this clip first. Ultimately, voters have the right to vote for someone who has crazy ideas like the Muslim ban. Um, that those are illiberal. Those are things that go against individual rights and freedoms. Can I jump in? There's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of straw men here. Nobody's saying they don't have the right to vote for crazy ideas. Nobody's saying that all Trump voters are fascists. You use the word authoritarian. I'm fine with authoritarian. I mean, we're now into pedantry here. I would argue many Trump voters would be very upset being called authoritarian, but you're calling Trump authoritarian. So let's agree. He is something that is not normal. He's a threat to democracy. He's not just anti-immigration, Chadi. He wanted to build a moat, put alligators in it, and shoot immigrants in the legs. If that is not fascism, oh. I don't know what is. Okay. By the way, I, I got to pause here and say that was actually Herman Cain's idea. Uh, Herman Cain, who ran for president in 2012, had this saying that uh, he wanted to build a 100-foot high wall at the border and then a 100-foot wide moat that was 100 feet deep and filled with alligators. And if you could cross the wall and swim across the moat, we would have a job waiting for you, just just for the record. Cool. I didn't hear about the alligator thing, Mandy, but if you just if I can just finish the thought here. Um, look, the danger is when you... Okay, I, I would just want to put the question back to you, Mandy. What are you actually suggesting we do if Trump wins fair and square? Let's forget about any like foul play or anything like that. If he wins in 2024, what are you going to do? Are you going right. to respect F- that result? I mean, I don't Final accept the premise Maddie. of your question. If he wins in 2024, let's forget the foul play. How can I forget the foul play when no, right no, now the Republican Party is trying to change and, state and legislature rules, clear. voting rules? Shadi, right now they are taking steps to make sure that the 2024 election is not a free okay. and fair election. You keep well, this just is concerning, pushing Maddie. that you're away. Not you to, cannot you're both not willing sides to this. accept that outcome then. That's concerning no, I'm to not, me. I'm not, hold on, hold on. I, I'm, I'm willing to accept an outcome of a free and fair election. Shadi, as of right now, do you believe the 2024 election will be a free and fair election if black people are denied the right to vote, if there is when, racist black gerrymandering people are denied continues, the right to vote, if that, election workers are threatened with death? Black people have been, t- the, the vote has been taken away from them? This is exaggerated Sorry, rhetoric that is that it's raising the existential wow. stakes. And what I would like each of us to do Have is to try to, to Georgia lower recently, the temperature. Shanti? You're not willing to do Sh- that. Hold what, on, Shadi, do you not think our democracy is under threat? This is a very simple question. You think that election work is being harassed, trying to t- overturn elections, uh, death threats to election officials, uh, changing of voting laws, disenfranchisement of people in Florida. Okay, you think none of that is affecting the free 
free and fair election in 2024. But, Seriously. But the other side of it is that when you raise the specter of a fascist threat, Shadi, can stop I just, let, just let me, okay. one party is trying let to me, overturn democracy okay, right now. Deep. Please stop. We, we can we can stop it there. It goes on for a little while longer. But you, you get that. There's there's no way to convince Mehdi Hassan, an anchor at MSNBC, that the 2024 election will be free and fair if Donald Trump wins. He, he's staking. We're, we're not even at the 2022 midterms. And he's already planting his, his flag in the ground that if a Republican wins, he, he, Trump, but you can feel him pivoting to Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley and all the others. If they win, it's not going to be free and fair that black people are being denied the right to vote. Have you been to Georgia? He says, uh, I live in Georgia and black voters are setting record numbers in the early voting turnout. But state C. Abrams continues to say that is suppression, that that suppression is still happening. Um, it, it's it's kind of bizarre that they're there and they're making these claims. And yet there's really no evidence that this is the case. Here's Corrine Jean-Pierre, the dim-witted White House press secretary. And speaking generally, of course, more broadly, uh, of course, uh, high turnout and voter suppression can take place at the same time. They don't have to be, uh, one doesn't have to happen on its own. They could be happening at the same time. But I'll leave it there without being able to really dig into uh, the politics. Of without this. being able to dig in. Uh, she can't dig in because there's no evidence of voter suppression anywhere. If you will recall, Stacey Abrams down in Georgia filed a lawsuit after the 2018 election in Georgia claiming voter suppression, and a Barack Obama-appointed black federal judge in Georgia threw out her whole case. There was no evidence of voter suppression. None. But the Democrats say these things, and they believe it is true. Uh, Josh Marshall of Talking Points Memo. Is on Twitter right now pointing out that, yes, there's violence on both sides, but there's actually more on the Republican side, and we have to be mindful of it. Uh, we had assassin show up at Brett Kavanaugh's house to try to kill him and his family. That's not right-wing violence. We had a mass assassination attempt of Republicans by a Bernie Sanders supporter who liked Rachel Maddow. That's not right-wing violence. We had a guy go to the Family Research Center and attempt to murder them all and stuff their faces with Chick-fil-A sandwiches because the Southern Poverty Law Center called them a bigoted, hateful, anti-gay site. That's not right-wing violence. In fact, from the 1970s forward, the majority of domestic terror attacks in this country have been conducted by people on the left, left left-wing environmentalists in particular. And yet the Democrats just believe it. They say it, so it must be true. Everything they say must be true. Stacey Abrams says there's voter suppression. It must be true. These are election deniers on the left, and yet they believe these things, and the media gives them a pass in the way they would not give you or me a pass to deny anything about the election. Look, I don't think the 2020 election was stolen. I think there were real problems. I think there were some people who attempted fraud. I don't think it was enough to change the outcome of the election. So the election wasn't stolen. But there were problems. You can't even talk about those problems in the mainstream media without getting all sorts of bullying and badgering from the very same people who will tell you with a perfectly straight face without any evidence that voters in Georgia are being suppressed. And this is why no one treats the media seriously anymore. What compounds the problem is that for months on end, the media covered for John Fetterman. And we have all now seen John Fetterman on a debate stage. And it was brutal. And it was bad. 
and he had trouble answering and had trouble talking. And now the media is like, wow, this is a big milestone for disabled people. The shift from he has no problems and is fine to this is a milestone for disabled people. And I'll tell you what this is doing to the average voter in America. The average voter in America, I'm not even talking about Republicans, you're just average independent voter in America. After seeing that, they're thinking, my God, if they covered up for John Fetterman like that, what are they doing to cover up for Joe Biden's mental decline? Those are problems. Now, to the phones, as promised, I want to go to Bruce first. Welcome to the program. Bruce, how are you? Welcome, welcome to you, too. Well, here's what my point is. When Biden says that these are generics, I know generics that have doubled in price. And here's the sad part. The Republicans aren't talking about that 99-cent product that's now on $59.89.99 is never going back to 99. That's, that's a good point. one of the things. Inflation is the gift that keeps on taking. The only person it gives to is government. I'm now paying twice as much tax on that $2 item as I paid on the 99-cent item a year ago. And these people that do this, I wish wish the Republicans had talked us. This isn't going to be where it's taking money out of our pockets through the last year or so. This is going to go on now for years and years. Thank you, Senator Warnock and Joe Biden. Bruce, that is so well said. Thank you very much for that call. Good point. In fact, I want to play this audio that just dropped from CNN a few minutes ago. Listen to this, y'all. This is the latest economic data. Prices still rising at a pretty uncomfortable level for folks. The prices consumers paid for goods and services up 6.2% for the year ending in September. Uh, So new spending, earnings numbers also just released within the last hour. So what does all of this mean? How do we translate it? This is when we turn to our good friend Rahel Solomon from CNN Business. What should we make of all these numbers and where things stand this morning, Rahel? Well, Erica, stop me if you've heard this before, but inflation continued to rise in the month of September. I hate to say it, but prices rose modestly 0.3% on a headline level. Core inflation, which strips away categories like food and energy, those prices rose about half a percent. So on an annual basis, as you pointed out, Erica, prices are about 6.2% higher than they were a year ago. Of course, the Fed, who, by the way, they actually check this report a bit more closely than they do some of the other inflation reports. The Fed would like that 6.2% number, Erica, to be a lot closer to 2%. That is the target. So clearly a lot of work ahead for the Fed. Now, on the other hand, we also got some consumer spending data in this same report, which showed Consumer spending held on, continuing uh, even when adjusted for inflation was positive, which is what we saw in yesterday's GDP report, too. So yet another sign that even despite these higher prices, even despite these rising interest rates, consumers are hanging tight, holding on and still spending. For now, one more call before break. Diane, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show, Diane. How are you? Thank you. Good afternoon, Eric. Good Thank afternoon. you for taking my call. Sure. I just love, love, love your show. Thank you. I just wanted to mention something to you that I've never had happen before. I got a text on Tuesday where the um, the person, what was he called, Progressive Turnout Project, wanted uh-huh. me, wanted to know if I wanted to um, make $100 by doing a walk list, they called it, to rally Democrats. And said I could, you know, the the list only takes about a couple of hours, but I could do as much as I wanted to. So I text back that says, I'm a Republican, 
are you paying for that list as well? <laughs> and, of course, I got back a, um, a, a text saying, thank you for letting me know. <laughs> and have a good day. Okay, so I've got to no. tell you, I am getting screenshots of this from all sorts of people. Um, so during the 2020 election, John Ossoff pioneered this technique where he was getting his activists to put software on their phones. The software was going through their address book, finding people who lived in their state and generating text messages, encouraging them to vote, encouraging them to participate and get out the door, essentially causing people to spam their friends. This is happening now at an alarming rate where they're willing to pay people to go vote for Democrats. I've seen it from now a a gay progressive group, a black progressive group, a general progressive group, a union group, uh, and it's continuing to happen. I'm getting friends lit up all over the place. I haven't gotten any yet, uh, but I know multiple people who have, and now you're calling in, Diane, about this as well. And they, they don't know whether you're a Democrat or Republican. I'm getting at Republican friends of mine who are getting annoyed. But it is kind of interesting yeah. that they they now have descended to this point where they're so desperate at the end, they're willing to pay you 100 bucks to try to go knock on the doors. That, that's not a good that's, sign at the end and, of the election. And that's, and that's the way I feel. They are desperate, and this is a, a last uh, attempt to get people to vote for Democrats. Mm-hmm. Now, they won't offer me any money for a Republican. Right. Oh, absolutely. It, it's it's I mean, this is this is a last ditch sign. Look, I got to let you go there. I appreciate it, Diane, very much. Uh, but this is a last ditch, desperate effort by the Democrats around the country. They're willing to pay people 100 bucks to go do door knocking for the Democrats. They should have a volunteer staff already willing to do it. That they don't is a big red flag of problems coming down the line. Americans for Prosperity plays to win. That matters a lot to me. I know a lot of D.C.-based organizations that just want to pass paper around to other Beltway insiders or claim they speak for everyday Americans without ever having to leave Washington, D.C. Americans for Prosperity is different. They're not a think tank. They're grassroots do-tank. Americans for Prosperity is a one-of-a-kind, freedom-oriented, limited government advocacy and accountability organization that actually takes action to expand opportunity for all Americans and defend your freedom of speech. They're doing great work at all levels of government. What's their secret? Well, they don't really rely on Washington. They built a network of concerned citizens who are stepping up for freedom in communities all around the country. If you want to learn more, if you want to find out how to get involved with Americans for Prosperity with a chapter near you, and I assure you, they have a chapter near you, check them out at americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. That's americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. I want to go to Ray on the phones. Ray, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. What's going on? Um, In the past, not too far, you mentioned that... um, If things didn't go well for the Democrats, you thought that uh, Biden might resign. Got a few questions relating to that. One, do you think Jill will let him? 
Um, so, you know, I, I said months ago, if this red wave was as big as it was going to be, that I thought it was going to be, that the question wasn't whether he was a, a two-term president, but whether he finished his first term. I don't know that Jill will actually let him. I, I think she's going to make him stay. Okay. Um, my, my next question was, assuming she did let him, um, how would Kamala Harris get a VP? Oh, okay. So the, the way the vice presidency works there is if a president steps away or dies in office and the vice president becomes president, the way that the new president picks a vice president is both houses of Congress have to give a majority vote. Both houses of Congress have to sign off with majority vote on that. Um, We haven't seen that situation since uh, Gerald Ford in uh, the 1970s uh, when Nixon replaced, what's his name, Um, with Spiro Agnew with Gerald Ford. That became the replacement, and Congress had to sign off on it, which is why he went with a congressman who was generally liked on all sides. Um, By the way, uh, Charlie just said we had a caller on this, and this is worth noting. This is from Reuters. This hit the wire this morning. U.S. diesel supplies are becoming critically low with shortages and price spikes likely to occur in the next six months unless and until the economy and fuel consumption slow. Stocks of diesel and other distillate fuel oils were just 106 million barrels on October 21st, the lowest for this time of year since the U.S. Energy Information Agency started collecting data in 1982. Distillate inventories were a massive 26 million barrels below the seasonal average for the previous 10 years. The deficit has been worsening steadily since the start of the year when stocks were 15 million barrels below the 10-year average. By the end of July, stocks had already fallen to 113 million barrels, the lowest since 1996. And before that, 1954, based on the most recent data available. In terms of consumption, however, inventories at the end of July were equivalent to just 30 days of demand. The lowest seasonal level in monthly records dating back to 1945. Since then, the situation has tightened even further. Um, y'all, essentially the only solution is to crash the economy to stop people from buying stuff, according to this in Reuters going to have to dramatically raise interest rates. That's not good. When you're ready to hop into a soft, cozy bed, your sheets make a big difference. Bold and Branch sheets use only the best 100% organic cotton threads on earth for superior softness that only gets more luxurious with every wash. I know because I sleep in Bull and Branch sheets. And let me tell you, you know, they start off like your standard bed sheet, and you're thinking, what's the big deal? Well, wash them. You see the difference. Wash them again. You feel the difference more and more. They get softer over time, and they've got the perfect weight. They've got that weight in the summertime where you feel like substantively there's something on you, but yet you're not sweating to death. And in the wintertime, it's just the perfect snug fit for the Bull and Branch sheets. They focus on thread quality, not quantity, although the quality and the quantity both are fantastic. Now, they got over 25,000 rave customer reviews made from the highest quality threads you can get. Bowl and Branch signature sheets come in nine colors. They fit all mattress sizes. You will feel the difference. And again, you got a 30-night 
risk-free trial with free shipping and returns. What do you have to lose? Try them. Keep washing them. They get softer and softer. Go to Boland Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D branch.com. Use promo code Eric. You'll get 20% off your first set of sheets and free shipping with the promo code Eric, my name at BolandBranch.com. Again, B-O-L-L-A-N-D branch.com. The promo code Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Um, there is some breaking news here that um, we, we do have apparently the name of the assailant on Paul Pelosi. Uh, his name is David Wayne DePoppy. He has been booked on attempted homicide, assault with a deadly weapon, elder abuse, burglary, and several other felonies. People are obviously working to rush to political conclusions and the like. Uh, A local journalist um, in San Francisco has tweeted out his familiarity with the person does not appear to be any sort of um, rabid conservative activist. Of course, the media is drawing all sorts of conclusions immediately, though we will Find out, but in all honesty, though, uh, what the police are saying is it appeared that uh, Paul Pelosi, uh, the man, walked into his home uh, through a sliding glass door. Paul Pelosi had nothing in the home to defend himself other than a hammer. The man took the hammer from Pelosi's home uh, and uh, attacked Paul Pelosi with it. Um. It's um, and the man was calling for Nancy Pelosi. He just ap- appears to be a troubled man. Uh, the the larger point here is people who are jumping to political conclusions probably should not have. The other issue here is this is the woman who stands in line behind the vice president to be president of the United States. How the hell did an insane person get onto her property and open a sliding glass door and attack her husband? There needs to be some level of accountability. There's got to be some level of accountability. According to Catherine Watson with CBS News, the San Francisco police chief says, Our officers observed Mr. Pelosi and the suspect both holding a hammer. The suspect pulled the hammer away from Mr. Pelosi and violently assaulted him with it. Our officers immediately tackled the suspect, disarmed him, and took him into custody. The suspect is being booked on attempted homicide charges. Uh, The police apparently watched the attack unfold. This is bizarre. This is breaking news. Things are subject to change. Uh, Catherine Watson, however, from CBS is a pretty respected journalist, and she's just quoting what the police chief said. The whole thing is rather bizarre here. Now, the phone number here, 877-973-7425. I want to go to the phones. Frank, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. How are you? Good. How are you? Great. So I wanted to call in and throw out a perspective that I'm born and raised in Atlanta about uh, voter suppression. I'm so sick and tired of hearing about voter suppression in Georgia. And it dawned on me the closest thing I've seen to voter suppression, excuse me, in Georgia is high gas prices, courtesy of the Democrats. Oh, that's a good point. That is a very good point. Yeah, that's the thing that's that's making it more expensive for people to go vote. Uh, There's your voter suppression right there. Frank, that's a that is an excellent point. 
Uh, and it's true. And by the way, if you were just are just tuning in, Reuters is reporting that we are at an all-time low for diesel, that we could have dramatic shortages for diesel that will affect trains and 18-wheelers very soon if something is not done. Now, I got to pivot on a story here related to that. I need to play you an exchange that happened on Bloomberg News with Brian Deese, the president's economic advisor. Brian, you didn't answer the question, so I'm going to ask it again. I'm going to share with you and share with our audience the quote from the Saudis this morning. The government of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia would like to clarify that based on its belief in the importance of dialogue and exchange of views with its allies and partners outside of OPEC Plus regarding the situation in the oil markets, the government of the Kingdom clarified through its continuous consultation with the US administration that all economic analyses indicate that postponing the OPEC Plus decision for a month, according to what has been suggested, would have had negative economic consequences. Brian, again, it's a really straight question. Did you ask the Saudis to delay that decision for a month. Are they telling the truth or not? Look, I'm not going to. I'm not going to to, to uh, get on, on on air and disclose private conversations that well, members of our administration have. It's not private. The Saudis have shared it with us. You've got the opportunity to say it's true or not. Is it true or not? What I will say. What I will say. What I will say clearly, is that the communications that we've had with OPEC members and continuing have been based on our assessment of the economic circumstances of supply and demand in global oil markets. There's something going on here because now listen to Wolf Blitzer talking to Karine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary. I'm anxious to get your thoughts on this New York Times report that U.S. officials thought they had a deal with the Saudis before the president went to Jeddah in Saudi Arabia for his meeting with the crown prince. Uh, uh, But they thought they had a deal on oil supplies and oil, uh, price of oil, uh, but uh, that uh, the Saudis backed out of that deal. What can you tell us about So we have been uh, very clear about uh, how we believe uh, parts of that report was mischaracterized, and there has been um, some changes that have been made to that report. Look, we've also been clear that our trip, that the president's trip to the Middle East, was not about oil. What the president is focused on currently and today and has been for the past several months since the war started, remember, because of Russia's war, we have seen a, a spike uh, in gas prices. So as you hear, hear us say, Russians, Russia's uh, tax hike. And so we have done everything that we can and continue to do the work the president has to lower the prices for the American people. That's why you've seen gas prices go Karine, down. with the Saudis that the Saudis then backed away from? Again. The trip was not about oil. That is not what we we went to to do there. Right. And one more. This is John Kirby, who used to be at the Pentagon and is now or at State Department is now over. No, he's at the Pentagon and is now over at the White House doing cleanup for Karine Jean-Pierre. Over the summer, did the U.S. strike a deal with Saudi Arabia to boost oil production? Look, there was uh, we we talked about it before the trip, um, but. uh, that energy security was going to be something the president talked about when we went, that we were having conversations uh, with Saudi Arabia before the trip about better balancing supply and demand. They're not denying the New York Times report that the White House tried to get the Saudis to keep oil production up until after the midterms so that Democrats wouldn't be heard at the ballot box. This is a pretty damning thing that's happening right now. So Saudi Arabia's oil minister, I played the audio the other day. In fact, it's, it's worth me playing this again for those of you who missed it. Saudi Arabia's oil minister came out and said that 
they're cutting their oil prices and countries that refuse to manage their oil prices and manage to refuse to manage their oil reserves were going to be hurt that oil reserves are put in place for crises and some countries without crises chose to disperse their oil for other reasons and those countries will feel the pain this is Saudi Arabia's oil minister listen to this people are depleting their emergency stocks yes had depleted it used it as a mechanism to uh, manipulate markets while it is profound purpose was to mitigate shortages of supply be it as it may it's everybody's choice however however it is my profound duty to make it clear to the world that losing emergency stock may become painful in the months to come. Some countries released their oil to manipulate markets, not for emergencies. That would be a thinly veiled shot at Joe Biden. And now he wants us to know it's going to become painful in the months to come. The New York Times reports that the White House tried to get the Saudis to hold off cutting oil until after the midterms so that the Democrats would not be as brutalized by voters as they're going to be. Three times now reporters have tried to get White House officials to deny the New York Times report, and none of them are willing to go on the record denying it. They're trying to deflect and say, well, we weren't really there to talk about oil. They're not saying this isn't true. And that's that's the admission that it is true. They refuse to acknowledge otherwise. They refuse to say otherwise. And now we have a diesel shortage. We're running out of diesel. That's going to have a massive impact on the economy because most 18-wheelers out there and most trains out there, they're running on diesel. They're not running on Supreme Unleaded or even regular Unleaded. They're running on diesel. That's going to seriously impact our economy. That's going to impact the supply chain yet again. And the major manufacturers for the distillates that help produce diesel and get rid of the sulfur in the diesel, they're in short supply because of the natural gas shortage that had come to Europe, although suddenly Europe finds itself in a glut. They've got too much natural gas now because they found too many other suppliers than Russia. And now they've been able to mismanagement so bad that this is like the oil situation during COVID. They're actually having the governments are having to pay people to take the natural gas off their hands. All of the experts are bungling all their expertise. Why should we keep listening to the experts? There is a crisis of expertise. They lack the humility to know when they're wrong and admit it, and they lack the expertise to know how to fix their own problems. This is a really, really big problem. A buddy of mine just texted me and says he has a cousin who farms 3,000 acres in South Texas. He's already seeing shortages for his farming equipment. So it becomes a food crisis as well. You can't get the diesel for your tractors. This is really a red alert here for all of us. 
this situation is going to get worse. And here's the problem. Republicans are about to take over, and the media is going to blame them. The Democrats are going to blame them. Everything that goes wrong, the Republicans are going to get blamed. But here's the solution for the GOP. Immediately begin to pass legislation to expand drilling in Anwar, expand drilling in the Dakotas, expand drilling on federal land, expand drilling offshore, and watch the Democrats fight it and oppose it and Joe Biden veto it. Watch it happen. Watch all of this legislation begin to collapse. The Democrats won't be able to blame the Republicans when the Republicans are offering a real solution. And the Democratic alternative is, no, we need to move to batteries. You're not going to move the farmers of America to batteries tomorrow. You need the fuel tomorrow. And it's a futures market. The promise today of oil tomorrow brings down the price of a barrel of oil. The promise of gas tomorrow brings down the price of a barrel of oil today because it's a futures market. The Republicans will be able to respond, and though the media will continue to lie about it, the American public will see the truth. They will also see the truth because they will get educated from groups like Americans for Prosperity. Americans for Prosperity is committed to free markets and free people, and they want you to be a part of them. If you're interested in being a political activist at all, you want to learn how to show up at your school board and be the smartest person in the room. You want to learn how to go to your state legislature and talk to them about the issues of school choice and school reform and free markets and free people. You want to join AFP. They can make you smarter. They can help you become a better political activist. And they're a great nonprofit that just provides good research for you that's easy to understand to show you how free markets and free people work to make this country better. All you do is go to americansforprosperity.org slash eric, americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Join their local chapter. They don't just have a think tank in D.C. They have local chapters around the country making you a better activist. It is americansforprosperity.org slash eric. Join them today. Up your game when it comes to fighting for free markets and free people in this country. Hello there. This hour is brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. Wherever you are nationwide, if you're in charge of the finances for a business and you want to grow the business, reach out to them. They can help you. Where banks are telling you no with access to capital, First Liberty wants to tell you yes. FirstLibertyGA.com. There is breaking news right now for the first time this year. Decision Desk, one of the leading uh, firms that gauges just online offline polling and voting strength and early voting turnout. They compile a pretty comprehensive model that is regularly now is more accurate than what the Associated Press and the New York Times use. Decision Desk HQ for the first time this year says the Republicans now have greater odds of taking control of the Senate. Uh, Adam Laxalt is now favored over Senator Catherine Cortez Masto in Nevada's U.S. Senate race for the first time since July. Uh, he's got a 53.3 chance of winning, and uh, Mehmet Oz in Pennsylvania has a 53% chance of winning his seat. Uh, the odds are still in Raphael Warnock's favor in Georgia, according to the report. But yesterday, on a hot mic, Chuck Schumer was caught saying that he expects the Democrats to lose Georgia. Uh, I will play that audio after the top of the hour. Right now, though, I want to go to James's phone call. James, welcome to the program. How are you? Hello, Ms. Aries. My first time calling. I'm pulling over so I can communicate my point to you. Can, can you guys hear me clearly? Yep, I, I can hear you. 
Okay. Um, I live down in South Fulton in Fairburn, and David Scott is my U.S. 13 Congressional District Representative in Congress, right? Mm-hmm. So about two and a half years ago, I called in and, and I asked a question. I just want to know what's his position on term limits, you know, because I feel like on both sides of it, you know, you stay there for 20, 30 years, it's time to move on. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. so for, for two and a half years, he has failed to give me a call back or answer my question personally. I just want to know what's his stance, if he would support a bill that came to the floor or he opposes. So I'm saying, so I can't, you know, I'm frustrated and to the point where I went into the ballot box and wrote my name down as a choice, you know what I'm saying? And I just want to know, as as a whole, as a country, we are being bamboozled on both sides. And the problem is, term limits, and during the presidential debate, uh, they keyed in on, uh, I think his name was uh, Tom Sawyer. With, help me, Tom, the, uh, uh, the guy, oh, that, the billionaire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Tom Steyer, Tom Steyer. Yeah, so so that question came up across on a national event. I said, finally, the question's been asked, and I don't understand as a, as a whole, the media has power to push this agenda across America. We need to get people, we need to get those people out of there. If you can't go come there and stay there for 30, 40 years, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're being bamboozled by people who, who, who rather vote for a party line than vote for What's right? I don't care what idea, who party, whatever is right. It's going to benefit the people of Georgia, United States. I'm for it. Look, I, you know first of all, I'm very disappointed. James, first of all, thank you for calling in. I, I will tell you, there are two reforms uh, that I think we could probably make uh, to fix Congress. Well, three. There are three reforms we could make. Let's deal with the House of Representatives first. One, expand the House of Representatives to a thousand members. Now, I know you're thinking, my gosh, do we really want that many politicians in D.C.? But here's the thing. The House of Representatives is designed to represent the people. And the districts are now structured in such a way that your member of the House of Representatives represents upwards of 800,000 people. It's hard for you to know you're a member of Congress. You used to, 100 years ago, know you're a member of Congress because he represented a smaller number of people. So expand the House to 1,000 from 435, and that lowers the number of people in each congressional district to make your representative more representative of the people. The second thing is term limits. Make them after 12 years go home. David Scott got elected to the Georgia House in 1974. In 1982, he went to the Georgia Senate. In 2002, he went to Washington, D.C., and he's been there ever since. The man's a creature of politics, making me term limited in Washington. 12 years, then you're out. And then the third thing is get rid of the 16th Amendment or 17th Amendment and make the Senates be nominated by governors and approved by state legislatures to represent the states, not just the special interests over six years.